Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Gabe Ramirez. That's a magic number. Morell going to third. He will slide. He's got a triple. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Gabe Ramirez here on 670 to score. Which White Sox player does, does Hawk Harrelson think should have been Derek Jeter? We'll talk about that after the trifecta. Uh, but this that's what this is, man. These are the top three stories. That have been living in my brain rent free. Uh, and let's get this thing started, man. It's going to be a good one. Number three. Number three story uh, that's been living in my head is that the White Sox swept the Tigers. Felt good. Especially because it seemed like it was what you wanted from the pitching staff, the entire pitching staff, not just the starters, bullpen as well. You saw yesterday Liam Hendricks get a, a good inning in. You saw. Uh, Joe Kelly, just, oh my gosh, disgusting stuff from Joe Kelly. 100-mile-power sinkers aren't supposed to happen, and he does it effortlessly. But Friday, Mike Clevenger, five innings pitched, six Ks, no earned runs. Just a beautiful job on Friday. Saturday, Dylan Cease got on the bump, five in the third, six strikeouts, one earned run. That was the one where, in the ninth, the ball went off the ump's face. That was wild. I mean, we get a chance to, uh, to talk to Scott Merkin about that at 6.20. But I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And I don't know if I would have done what Yohan Moncada did when he was at third base. Like, I might have been like, oh, damn, that's crazy. But he was like, Bro, I, don't care. I don't care about the ump scoring. That was phenomenal. Uh, Sunday was the Jake Berger game. Hitting that walk-off grand slam, Michael Kopech. Seven innings, nine strikeouts, two earned runs. Now... Sox swept, and I want you to take a listen carefully. And be, listen carefully. This is something that I said on Friday's show. And just so you have an idea, like, where my head is at as a Sox fan after this sweep. It, it's just so white Soxy to, like, sweep the Tigers this three-game set. It, like, it wouldn't surprise me, nor would it send me on some sort of tirade about you know, the inconsistency of the Chicago. No, I just, I just, I accept it for what it is. But after losing three out of four to the Tigers last week, or yeah, last weekend, and then losing two out of two out of three to the angels, it's just what they would do. Like just, and they would probably destroy them. Like today's probably going to be like a, all right, all right. That's it. That's it. Get the, get the, five, get the idea. No, there like a six, three game. Get that out of there. All right. You get the idea. I knew well, I didn't know, but 
I I felt it in my bones. Because like I said at the very beginning, it was something very white soxy to do. Like, come on and sweep them. Just handle business. And that's exactly what they did. And I'm still indifferent about the White Sox. I don't have, my feelings have not changed after that sweep. Because Why? Because of what's coming for the White Sox. White Sox have a day off today before the competition just gets a little bit more stiff. They face the Yankees. Giolito's going to kick off that series. Then it's some teams that people, like if you're a casual baseball fan, you don't know what kind of a gauntlet this actually is. But if you've been paying attention to the bigs this year, you know this is a tough stretch. You go Yankees, Miami, been playing well. Seattle, finally getting healthy. Texas, they're dominating right now. Then they go Boston, and then a four-game set in California versus the Angels. That's how the White Sox are going to end their June. So, holla at me at the end of the month, and then we'll be able to see how uh, how I feel about them then. Number two. Not after a sweep against the Tigers. Uh, number two story. It's got to go to the NBA. The Heat surprisingly take game two against the Denver Nuggets. 111-108. And it was really a tale of one quarter. You usually hear a tale of two halves. But it was, well, all right, fine. He came out hot at first in the first quarter. But Denver cooled him down. And it seemed as though they had the game under control. That is until the fourth when he, when the Heat went on that run. And they never gave, uh, gave the lead back. And a lot of people were questioning why Mike Malone um, didn't use that timeout late in the fourth quarter. I, I, you said Jamal got a good look at it. Did you at all consider calling a timeout there? Or do you like it when it's in transition and, and you can kind of scramble the defense and maybe catch them? little bit yeah I think it's dependent upon the situation you know and um, their half court defense was giving us a lot of trouble in that fourth quarter you know and you take a timeout you let them get set you let them review whatever play they think they're that we're going to run and there's a great chance that we don't get a quality shot like Jamal got which was online and from my perspective, it looked like it had a great chance of going in. And we've seen Jamal make shots like that before. So um, some nights, yeah, I think, you know, uh, we can take the time out. Other nights, give our guys the freedom to get out and run. But with how well they were guarding in that quarter and how hard it was for us to uh, generate great looks, uh, I felt in that transition we are going to have the best chance to get the look that we wanted. And, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? You can say, oh, why didn't you take the time out? Not that that would have changed anything. You still got to hit the three-pointer, go into OT, and then battle back then. You did have some sort of momentum at that at that moment. But you can't keep wasting 40-point performances by by the Joker. It's just, it almost was if they, they took the lead and felt like, yeah, we are going to sweep this team. But it's hard to do that. And Mike Malone understands that. And that's why, after the game in the locker room, he had this to say. Our objective now is to find a way to go down to Miami. Wednesday night and still one back and regain home court advantage in these NBA finals, which is what we're going to do. Because we're going to play harder than them and we're going to be more disciplined than them. Of course, uh, you know, next game is Wednesday. Hopefully they can bounce back. But, man, if Jimmy Butler can will the Miami Heat to the NBA championship, it's just one of those moments where every gambler loses money because they're all betting Jokic to win, like Drake did. He put two million or $250,000 for the Nuggets to win 4-1. to one. So I know he's sweating right now. But either way, man, it's a great storyline, so make sure you guys follow that. Again, Game 3 going to be uh, Wednesday in Miami. Number 1. So the Chicago Cubs, I said it last, I said it on Friday, and I was like, am I, like, low-key becoming a Cubs fan? Leo, you remember this, don't you? You remember when I said this? 
Yeah, you were talking yourself into it. No. No, no I wasn't. I, no, 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 no. Don't put words in my mouth. It was a fleeting thought, and I was curious. I'm like, am I becoming a Cubs fan? Because I like the team. They, I like teams that play up to the competition. Now, unfortunately, the Cubs play down to their competition as well. And that's eh, some sort of – they have to figure that out. But Cubs taking the first two out of three against the San Diego Padres. Impressive. Impressive because – especially because the San Diego Padres were getting back healthy. No one really thought the Cubs were going to come out. But that's been the case. Cubs cost me money on this. For, for first game of the series, I bet them in a parlay. They won, and I, I just literally could not believe that, that they did. And and here we are. But yesterday's game, 7-1, Cubs with the victory. Just, I mean, what can you say? Every time Strom is on the bump, you feel good as a Cubs fan. Six innings pitch, six strikeouts. Did have three walks. It was kind of iffy in certain moments. And then you got, you know, you got to tip your cap to the management of the Chicago Cubs because what are they doing? They're giving Ross as many weapons as they can because they genuinely feel. You can tell. You can tell Jed feels like the Cubs can compete and win this division. And, and when you're bringing up guys like Miguel Maya, somebody that fans have been craving for to take that backup catcher role uh, from uh, after Jan Gomez. Jan Gomez, excuse me. I mean, especially when he's doing things like this from the DH spot. Gomes at first, two away. Here in the top of the third. Amaya swings, drills one deep left center field. There it goes. Goodbye. Miguel Amaya with his first big league home run. Big time shot to left center. And the Cubs are pouring it on. Seven to nothing now over the Padres here in the third. The Panameño, he's Panamanian, comes up, steps up big. I mean, goes... You know, three for three in his in his getting re- from after getting recalled from AAA. I mean, it just says a lot, and obviously Cubs fans got to be happy about that. Rossi talked about Miguel Amaya after the game as well. What do you see from Amaya's at bats today? Just consistent balance, good swings. You know, the home run obviously just a just a great swing. That that two seamer coming middle end to him, and he put he say a big part of the field. You know, all every hit was basically up the middle, left center type approach and. He's simple. He's spread out. Uh, really good swings. Uh, nice performance from him. I mean, just a good performance all around. And not just from the lineup. I mean, obviously, you got three homers yesterday. Miguel Amaya, Jan Gomes, like I mentioned, then Trey Mancini uh, hit one as well. It was good to see him uh, go deep. But the bullpen, Julian Merriweather, getting the inning out of him with that strikeout was key. Michael Fulmer, you know, having the ability, you know, hey, just because you dropped the ball in a couple instances doesn't mean you can't come in and perform well. And then Brandon Hughes, you know, closing it out after the Cubs had that big 7-1 lead. So, uh, again, man, it's, it's they're a fun team to watch. Like, I can't, you can't front. Good pitching staff, guys that like to play good defense, you kind of love it. And today, you get a guy that you love on the mound, Kyle Hendricks. First pitch, 8-10 p.m. right here on 670 to score. Zach Zayman got to pregame uh, right around 730. So make sure you guys are listening to that here. On 670. We're back. That's a magic number. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on 670. The score broadcasting live from the score Hyundai studios brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Uh, got to shout out everybody listening on the Odyssey app. Download that thing. So many cool perks. 
Even Taylor Swift tickets are available on the Odyssey app. You just got to know where to find them. I know. So many people. I heard I heard uh, Par- Parkins mentioning the Taylor Swift gang or Taylor gating or whatever. And it was funny because one of my boys hit me up and was like, you know, please, can you give me some tickets? And I'm like, dude, not a shot. Like, if I had tickets, I'd be $6,000 richer. It's just, I don't even care if it's against my company policy. And then he's like, well, I hear people are hanging out over there. I might just take my wife. He's, he has a wife. I might just take her down there. And I was like, well, that sounds romantic. <laughs> Bringing, like, a bottle of rosé to Soldier Field, walk the lakefront and just listen to Taylor Swift. Ah, screw it. Save yourself six k. Uh, But, yeah, download that Odyssey app. A lot of perks on there. Shout out to everybody listening on our HD2 channel as well. We're coming in loud and clear over there. Again, uh, it's Gabe Ramirez leading you in right into Cubs baseball. Kyle Hendricks taking on Blake Snell for the final game in that four-game set. And I don't know. Where are we at, Cubs fans? Do we think Kyle Hendricks is going to stay on the trajectory or the path that he's on right now? Last two outings, pretty good. Are we anticipating a bump in the road? You know, they have you know one of their better lineups out there, you know. Ragnar Ador, Tatis in there, Soto Machado. Oof, that's tough. It's going to be a good game. Cubs sending out Horner, Swanson, Hap Suzuki. You've seen that that starting uh, four at the top of the lineup for some time. Now Patrick Wisdom is at five. Jan Gomes, Trey Mancini, Miguel Amaya again at that DH position. And then Christopher Morrell uh, at the very bottom looking to turn over that lineup. So it's going to be a good one, man. Tough lineup for the Cubs as well. Again, that game starting off at 810 right here on 670 The Score. All right. Scott Merkin is going to join the show next. And I played for you guys a second ago what my feelings were, even before the series against the Tigers, anticipating a sweep. Scott Merkin, level-headed. Guy always keeps me in check with my emotions because they're all over the place sometimes. Maybe he feels as though I should be feeling good in the present. What will he say about that? We'll talk to Scott Merkin from MLB.com. Next, right. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Right here on 670 The Score. We are Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. We're live from Chicago talking Chicago sports. Listen on your radio. We're back, live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. It was beautiful to watch in real time. Jake Berger, you were almost expecting it, 
and laying the pitcher kind of knew it. It was just didn't have his best stuff. You saw the stats in the beginning, right when he took on the, got to the mound, like righties and lefties were batting, you know, 160, 180 against him. And then he just felt things uh, go awry in that very moment right there. Uh, we get a chance to talk about the series with the next guest joining us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Uh, and, you know, I got some got a lot of questions for him. And I always do. Uh, he is the MLB.com White Sox beat writer and our good friend here at 670 The Score, Scott Merkin. Scott, uh, when you were watching this series, uh, let's just go to the last game. Did you feel like the Sox were going to have enough magic to pull it off? Or did you think that, you know, they won the first two and something was going to go haywire for them to kind of lose it? Yeah, they haven't swept a lot this year. I think the only sweep, if I'm thinking right, the only sweep they had was Kansas City at home. So, you know, they, they seem to have found ways to not. I mean, it's, it's you know, as the old cliche goes, these are major league players, these are major league teams, and it's not just assumed, especially like a four-game set, you know, that you can, you should just sweep. But I thought they had a chance because I think they're the better team regardless of the record. And number two, Detroit is just decimated by injuries. Like I, someone was telling me who covers the Tigers that they have their first six starters are on the IL and oh. their entire outfield, Austin Meadows, Riley Green, who's the best player on that team, who is essential on that team. And then uh, Veerling and Wright are all out. So they're starting outfield, and their six starting pitchers are on the IL. So you need to beat them to get back into this thing, especially when you started the series 12-under. But to your point, you made two things. Alex Lang has been lights out. He was the AL reliever of the month for May. I voted, I should say, I voted for Batista from Baltimore, but Lang's numbers were ridiculous. Former Cub, as a matter of fact, I think, Alex mm. Lang. But credit to the Sox is he's got them to chase a lot in the first couple times that they faced him this year, you know, where he, he manhandled them, but not a lot of pitches were in the zone. And they waited him out, you know, on Sunday. You know, Moncada drew a key walk, Tim Anderson drew a key walk. And, you know, I, I think he, he walked off the mound as soon as Berger made contact because <laughs> the game was over. It, it, it was a sacrifice fly at the very worst, right? Yeah, so yeah. you knew the game was over, and I don't think he – you know, right now he probably didn't care that it was a grand slam. It was more exciting for Berger than crushing for him because whether it's 3-2 or 6-2 – the L goes up there. So to make a long answer short, yeah, I, I thought they going into the series, they had a good job. I mean, you can't underestimate how much Riley green right now means to that team. He is, you know, just defensively and offensively kind of the glue of that team. And he's going to be gone for a little bit. And it's not a great team to begin with. And then you take away all these key guys and the Sox, you know, did what they should in that series. Let's talk about the pitching performance of in the last three games. I mean, obviously Kopech able to come back in seven strong innings, just really working that fastball. Only had one yeah. walk, which I thought was really good. Um, when you look at Michael Kopech and you see him pull out performances like that, what, what do you think stop him, stopping him from doing it more consistently? I mean, I think, you know, nothing right now. We just have to see if he can do it. I, you know, The biggest thing with Kopech is, you know, I, I understand you can talk about all the mechanics changes and all this and all that, and which pitch and this, you know, which pitch is working and which pitch is not. And he has incorporated four pitches this year. You know, he talked a lot about the changeup in spring training and, he seems to have, you know, at least incorporated that into the mix. But I think with Kopech, it's, and I think with so many athletes at this high level, because if you make it to the major leagues, you're freaking low to a talent, right? You don't get to the major leagues because, you know, someone thinks you're cool and we're going to give you a little scholarship and have fun. You, you got to be really good. So I think what separates these guys is, is mindset, right? Is you believe. And he's talked to us a couple times after these, this great run of four starts where he's had, I think 38 strikeouts and four walks and like 32 innings or 36 innings, something like 
No, I guess it wouldn't be 36 innings. That would be four complete games. 26 innings, I think is what it was. Um, just that he believes in his stuff, and that's such a huge thing. And I think if he continued doing that, I mean, a good example Sunday, he gives up the bunt single to do, which, you know, quote-unquote breaks the perfect game. It was the fourth inning, so you really can't call it a perfect game at that point. But Badu steals second, and then Torkelson hits a long home run, but that's it. You know, he comes right back, settles down, and gives them nothing else. So, I mean, that, that could have gone sideways. It didn't, and he dominated from there. So I really think with Michael and so many of these guys that it's just, you know, kind of you have the stuff, just believe in it with a conviction out there that you're that you're better than the other guys and that follow the game plan and you're going to be okay. So I think that's going to be the big thing for him is just that, I don't want to say maturity because he's a mature guy, but just that composure. How about that on the mound? Yeah, with to match the stuff he has. Yeah, getting more, getting more starts, getting more opportunities to feel it out. I mean, we uh, Pedro Grafol talked about it in his last outing. Hey, he gave up four in the first, and he had an opportunity to learn from it and, and pitch through it. And so things like that, just growth and maturity from Michael Kopech is the, the least we can hope. Yeah, for. I mean, he's not gonna he's not gonna go every start the rest of the. I don't think it would be something seven else innings. He did, but he's, <laughs> right. yeah, he's not gonna go seven innings of you know two hit nine strikeout ball in every start the rest of the year. But you know if he can be that guy, the top of the rotation type of guy, that's a, that's what they're looking for. And somebody who is trying to be that guy hits in fourteen out of the last fifteen games. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, what have you thought of him playing in right field, Scott? You know, we were saying yesterday during the game that he's been he's been pretty decent out there. You know, I mean, I don't know if he's going to make people forget about Ichiro playing right field defensively, but <laughs> right. that's probably not even fair on my part because they're different type of players. But, I mean, give him a lot of credit. You know, he he really, in that Zoom we talked to him in the offseason, he basically made it clear he wanted no part of DH. There's not a lot of it, – it makes you appreciate guys like Edgar Martinez and Harold Baines and Jim Tomey to some extent. And I guess Frank Thomas did it. You know, people who really excelled at the age because players really want to be complete players out there. You know, it's 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 difficult, I think, to go over three and just have nothing else to focus on. But you're over three, and how do I get that first hit? And you know, that was Jake yesterday. Jake had what three strikeouts, drew a walk, and then hit the walk off grand slam. But he worked his tail off in the offseason. He lost weight. He's kept the weight off. He stayed in good shape, and it looks like he's moving well out there. You know, does he make every play out there? No, but no one does except Louis Robert, you know, who gets to pretty much everything out there. But I think Aloy's done a nice job, and he's made it. And, you know, one thing about Pedro is I think he told him you're going to get the chance if, if you earn it. He, he earned it. He showed them that he belonged out there. And with the way Jake's hitting, you need Aloy to be able to play some right field. So I, I think he's, you know, there's no moments where you look out there and say, oh, man, you know, how do they have him out there? He's Now you just got to make sure he stays healthy because, Whatever you want to describe it, this takes nothing away from him. He's a great kid. He is a hard worker from what we've seen. or he, you know, he, he, he puts in a lot of work to get better, but he has dealt with a lot of injuries, right? There's no, if you list them off, there's no denying that. That's not exaggerating. So, you know, you hope that putting in that extra running, the extra contact, that kind of thing. He chased a foul ball down the right field line yesterday, ended up missing it and fell, you know, kind of bumped into the net. You don't want to see him get hurt because number one, number two, and number three is Eloy's <laughs> offense, right? And then his defense is behind that. But right. I think he's earned the chance to play out there, and he's done okay since he's done done more than okay. He's done fine. Since yeah, he's been out there. I mean, he's twenty six years old. What twenty six year old doesn't want to get out there, play some exactly. defense? Yeah, you know, he's just a young I, guy. I there's a lot of thirty six year olds who want to yeah. just be strictly <laughs> right. DH. But it's for, that's a really good point. Yeah. That at twenty six, he was not ready to just be labeled as no. okay. You're just going to hit that. And you know, same with. 
burger, but I think burger is just like, let's ride this. Whatever you want to, whatever yeah. you want to use me at, play me at second, play me at short, <laughs> play me at center. Just keep, you know, keep me in the lineup. Yeah, That's he has great. That, that Christopher Morell effect where he's like, I'll play, I'll play anyway. I got to say this. Exactly. Lastly, uh, lastly on Eloy, before I ask you my last question, what do you think of his glasses? Those sunglasses are like as big as half of his head. He has the, his hat cocked to the side. And I just, I see his glasses and I'm like, he, make, he reminds me of like Bad Bunny or something like that. You know, I got to take a closer. I, I guess I have not really looked that closely. Oh. I, starting uh, tomorrow night at Yankee Stadium, I'm going to take a closer look and, and, and give you an opinion next yeah. time I'm on. Yeah, there are, those are some big ones over there. Speaking of the Yankees, I mean, how does a team like the White Sox, you know, you, you mentioned it, the Tigers are decimated, they're, they're injury riddled. How do you, as a White Sox team, take the momentum after sweeping a squad like that and try to – I mean, the rest of the month is going to be tough, Scott. So, yes. you know, how, how do they take that momentum? How do they use it? Do they, do they just forget about it and try to take it, like they say, a game at a time? Or do they, try to, or do they use it and try to find some sort of momentum? Well, Pedro said this yesterday, and I, a lot of people in baseball said this before. Momentum really is the next day starting pitcher, right? So if you win three in a row and the next day starting pitcher gives up seven runs in the first two innings, momentum is gone, right? That's the end of it pretty much. So that's really what they have to count on. They just, you know, that his one day at a time focus sounds a little cliche, but it works for him and it works for the team. And that's what they have to do. You know, they're, they're in this thing, whether people believe it or not, you can think they're not a great ball club and they aren't the record shows they're not a great ball club, but I think they're more, they're closer team to 500 or a little above than what they showed in April but they have to prove that the rest of the way. April was awful. I, there's no one who can sugarcoat that. It was really bad baseball with some injuries, obviously. But even with, with, even with the injuries, it's bad baseball. They played, I think, 18 and 14 since that awful start. So, you know, that's not overwhelming, but that's certainly good enough to win the AL Central, right? So that's what their focus is right now. It, it, it's business picks up. Uh, the line I love to use from good old Jim Ross from uh, WWE days. Uh, you know, business picks up in June. I think it's six of the next seven series or against teams who, as we talk right now, have records above 500. You're going to Dodger Stadium. You're going to Angel Stadium. You're at Yankee Stadium. You're 10 and 20 on the road. You go to Seattle. You face Texas and Boston at home. That is not easy. There's no question about that. And it's also about when you get these guys. So, for instance, they're going to Yankee Stadium. No Garrett Cole. I believe Nestor Cortez just went on the IL, so no Nestor Cortez. I believe Domingo Herman is pitching tonight, or he's he's not pitching in that series one way or the other. So already, and they're not sure what the situation is with Aaron Judge, right? At least the last I heard, maybe they did make some decision on Aaron Judge, but with you know the toe injury, head crashing into the fence, catching the ball Saturday night, I think. So again, it's when you get these teams, but this is going to be a test. And we keep saying this, you know, there's new benchmarks all the time for this team after that rough April. They they had these 19 games where they had 16 of the 19 against the AL Central, the other three against the Angels, and finished 12-7. and seven. Okay, no more AL Central to July 21st. So now let's see what the medal of this team is and see how they handle against the first division teams in the American League. Yeah, it's like a boxing match, Scott. They got, they got knocked down in the first round, and now they're trying to you know, do a little do a little number in the, in the middle rounds and hoping to stay afloat. Yeah, they, but... they got Gabe, they got knocked down in the first round and the count was at eight. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, they, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and and Andrew Vaughn's walk off home run to complete that seven run ninth against Tampa just got them up before the bell. Yeah, and they've held their own in the rounds after that. The I ref, think. the ref was gonna stop, the ref was gonna stop the fight. <laughs> it was pretty close. <laughs> then Andrew it was Vaughn pretty did close. That. <laughs> Hey Scott, Even I, in April, it was pretty close. <laughs> I appreciate you hanging out with me today, man. Uh, enjoy your dinner. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay, Gabe, take care of yourself. Thanks. Scott Merkin from MLB.
Sox.com, White Sox beat writer. He's been doing it for 21 years. You know, I like to think that I'm a Sox fan, but then I love talking to Scott Merkin because then I can ask him about the nitty-gritty and stuff like that, like the Alex Lang stuff, right? I, I see it casually, but he gets to break it down in a different way. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Scott Merkin. It's Gabe Ramirez here on 670 The Score. Again, leading you into Cubs baseball. Cubs taking on the Padres. Pre-game starts at 735. First pitch, 810. And it's all brought to you by The Score and the Xfinity Cubs Radio Network. You know, we were talking about the game. I brought up Eloy because... I mean, listen, when you got hits in 14 out of your last 15 games and you see how the White Sox have been playing through that stretch, it is just undeniable how much he contributes to this team and how much he means to it. So keeping him healthy is extremely important. I think some things you can look at when talking about Eloy Jimenez, especially during that uh, the 14 games or 15 game stretch now, he only had three homers. And so when you're talking about affecting the game, not just with the long ball, getting hits, keeping the lineup going, making people feel, it's contagious. This we know in baseball. And, I mean, if you look at his RBI numbers, in those same uh, 15 games, there's only five games where he doesn't have an RBI. So he got 10, 10 of those 15, he has an RBI. Didn't walk much in those games, only only five walks. Struck out a handful of times. But, you know, if you go back to the start of his, again, 14 hits in 15 games, he was batting, Elo Jimenez we're talking about, he was batting 174. 174 on April 27th, the start of that streak. And then, obviously, he took some time off after May 5th with the injury or with the appendicitis, but in those those games, he went from batting 174, now he's batting 266. That's impressive for a guy like Eloy Jimenez. So you got to keep him in the lineup. You got to have him pl- uh, playing there. And it's just a White Sox team, man. They frustrate you. They sweep the Tigers. Like you said, they're in- like Scott said, tons of injuries on that team. But still professional baseball players. Pitching staff still has to do their job. You got to beat teams like that. And it was actually really interesting to hear from Hawk Harrison, the Hawk himself, ah, one of my idols. He was on Inside the Clubhouse over the weekend. And he had some interesting thoughts about this team, specifically about the injuries that this team has faced over the last couple of years, actually. And it was, I mean, Hawk's been around the game for what seems like forever at least what all the stories he tells used to tell on, on, on the broadcast. But here he is talking about this Sox team and the amount of injuries they've had. It's just, just, it's just amazing how many, you know, you can, it's not, Pedro, I didn't see anything wrong with Pedro. I don't know Pedro. I never met him. Didn't, didn't never heard of him until they hired him, you know, but watching him manage uh, a baseball game, I hadn't seen anything. He can only, he can only play with what he's got. And he hadn't had a whole bunch this year, let's face it. You know, he doesn't know who's going to be on the DL when he goes to the ballpark. Uh, uh, and it's just it's just disheartening. And, and I feel bad for the Sox fans because I love our Sox fans. I mean, I really do. It's, it's just – and I miss them. Yeah. It's just something that I feel real bad about. 
I have when I go to the grocery store, you know, up at a home here in Indiana or a home in, in Orlando. When I go to the golf course, oh, what's wrong with our socks? What's wrong with our socks? You know. And I just tell them we suck. It's just that simple. <laughs> uh, they just, uh, Pedro doesn't have a, when he goes, he's got a guessing game on who, who to play that day. I love, I love that about Hawk. Cause now that he doesn't work for them anymore, he's just like, whatever, they suck. Have you not seen it? I've been trying to say, I've said it in a nicer way where I just said they're extremely inconsistent, which essentially means. It actually means that they're not the best that's out there. But I loved hearing him say that. He also talked about, you know, one of the biggest complaints, and I've, I've, I've touched on this before, is the philosophy of paying certain players that you know are going to make your major league roster, but paying them early, like an Eloy or a Luis Robert, so you don't have to deal with money later. But if they don't perform, what does that say about your team? Hawk Harrison talk, touched on that as well. It has not been pretty. You know, it, it's, it's a shame, too. Uh, you know, people people really have gotten the wrong impression about uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, calling him cheap and everything else. I think we have the uh, eighth highest payroll in all of baseball. Uh, we spent almost 200, we got a payroll of almost $200 million. And, uh, it's just been, you know, it's been an underachieving, overpaid, underachieving, uh, team. It's just that simple. It's a tough pill to swallow because he's absolutely right. When you're looking at this team, at least based off what they've done, right? The results that are there. With that, you can simply say they're an overpaid, underachieving team. I mean, you can argue it. You can say, well, man, this or that. You can point to certain things. But the fact of the matter remains, they are a team that has a payroll close to $200 million, where their record does not reflect that or what it should reflect, which is a team that's at least hovering around five hundred. So you love when Hawk Harrelson comes out again. That's him on Inside the Clubhouse uh, with Bruce Levine and David Haw. And uh, he he said one more thing. And this one kind of hurt. It's a little lengthier, but I thought it was important to play. Because we all have high expectations of Tim Anderson as well. And we understand this year he's not hitting above 300 like we're used to. But I think we looked at Tim Anderson as Sox fans, I'm talking. We looked at him as the mainstay of the team. The Paul Canerco. Frank Thomas, not in terms of home runs, but in terms of being the face of the franchise. Everyone was is comfortable with it, with it being Tim Anderson. But Hawk had some cool things to say about T.A. as well. It's just a myriad of things that's, you know, that's going on that when you when you got a payroll like uh, like we have and and the guys what really it boils down to, in my opinion, is agents. It's become an agent-run organization to the degree that agents are controlling baseball now. You know, the most powerful man in baseball is not Rob Manfred, the commissioner. The most powerful man is Scott Boris. Last year, his, his stable of athletes combined salary was $2 billion 
uh, two hundred million dollars, two billion two hundred million. This year he's already passed that, so uh, he controls so much. And we, if you notice, we got a lot of guys that if they just bump into a wall, they go on the DL. And if I was an agent, I'd be doing the same thing, especially with pitchers, to extend their shelf life. And and uh, I've never seen a team with many as many DLs as, as the White Sox have had this year. I mean, it's just one right after the other. And it, what it boils down to, really, in my opinion, watching from afar, is uh, is we really just don't have any leaders on the ball club. I thought Tim Anderson had a chance to be that. I thought he had a chance to be our Derek right. Jeter. And uh, it had just not turned out that way. So in order to win on a consistent basis, you have to have one or two leaders on the ball club. And and we just don't have that. Talk Harrison on Inside the Clubhouse. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. It's a great point. It's a great point. Had the opportunity to. I, I, I mentioned several times on this show. I remember when David Montgomery was, seemed like he was just some quiet guy on the Bears. And it was when there was no true leader, you know, like Khalil Mack was quiet. Robert Quinn was quiet. Roquan wasn't talking much. No one was there to really step up. Yeah, like Andy Dalton, Justin Fields is a rookie. Like no one, he couldn't be a leader. And then David Montgomery just thrust him, or you know, he was there. He was that dude. And you kind of were like, okay, this is not really your role, but I like it. And then he, then he, then he kept on doing, hey man, it's my fault. I should have did this, or I shouldn't have like really taking that leadership role. And I always say friendship takes effort, but leadership takes effort as well. And you can lead by example, but if you want to be a true team leader, you need to put in the effort. You got to be. Not that they're not lifting up their guys and doing all that, but someone, you know, the focal point, the face, everything. And I, too, like Hawk Harrelson, wished it was Tim Anderson. That's all. That's all I'm saying. But it'll be interesting. Again, White Sox kick off their series versus the Yankees tomorrow. Giolito's going to be on the bump. Uh, Scott Merkin said, you're not going to be see Nestor Cortez. You know, you might not see Dominguez. Aaron Judge might not be there, depending on he feels. So, hey, I'm not complaining. As a Sox fan, I'll take the... Uh, the uh, injury-riddled Yankees as well after, we, after they did that to the Tigers. So uh, we'll see how that pans out. Do not forget, Cubs baseball right here on 670. The score begins at 810. That's when the first pitch begins pregame. Uh, right before that was Zach Zayman. I'm leading you right into that. We got Andy Martinez hanging out with us after 7 o'clock just to talk a little Cubs baseball. Uh, he's from the Marquee Network, one of our good friends here as well. But before we talk Cubs I do want to circle back onto the Nuggets series. Damn, look at me. Telling you who I want to win already. The Nuggets Heat series in the finals. And the question is, has the trajectory changed of the series? Have I changed my mind into thinking that Miami could pull off a couple more victories? I'm going to give you my answer uh, right after this. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. From breaking Chicago sports news to the hottest conversation. We're back, live with more Gabe Ramirez on 670 The Score. 
Cubs baseball, 8, 10 p.m. right here on the score in the Xfinity Cubs radio network. Pre-game begins at 7.35. Zach Zayman has your call there. Uh, I'll be leading you right into that again. Andy Martinez is going to be hanging out just after 7 o'clock. Clock to talk about some Cubs baseball. Uh, of course, Heat, Nuggets tied at 1 after yesterday's game. Yesterday's game was exactly what the Miami Heat have been doing to teams all playoffs long. Staying close enough so that that way they can just, it's like a little lion. You know, they see the little wounded little little bunny rabbit. And they're just like, go ahead, don't worry. I'm just, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just right here. And the bunny rabbit just, or gazelle, just running around fast, 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 fast. <laughs> and it looks like the gazelle is just running circles around. And you're just like, ah, this thing's over. And then out of nowhere, fourth quarter, Miami Heat come through, handle business, and end up taking the game 111-108 on the road. Now the next game is going to be on Wednesday. That one's going to be – can you imagine if Miami wins? Everyone and their mama is sitting up here saying Nuggets sweep, Nuggets in five, gentlemen sweep. If Miami wins game three, that's going to be – Crazy, my friend. It's going to be crazy, as my titi would say. I can't even, I can't, can't even do it. All right, so unlike years in the past, it goes two in Denver, two in Miami, then one, one, one. Remember when it was like two, three, two? That was wild. I think they did that so that the Bulls could win at home in like game six or something like that back in the 90s. But either way, low-scoring game again, 111-108. You point. You could point to certain things in this game, but I mean, heading into the fourth quarter, even partways through the fourth quarter, Denver still had, like from a probability standpoint, a fifty-four percent chance to win, and it wasn't until midway through the fourth did Miami have the first positive pro- probability to go ahead and take that one. But you got to tip your cap. If I would have told you that Gabe Vincent would be the leading scorer for the Miami Heat in game two of the NBA play, or NBA finals, you would tell me they probably lose. But a, a, a consistent team effort. Jimmy with 21. Bam out of bio, 21. Max Struess finally hit a couple of threes. Duncan Robinson was shooting like he didn't care. He, he went two for three from the three-point line. I think the key also was keeping the turnovers low. He only had 11, 28 assists on 38 made baskets for the Miami Heat, moving the ball well. And if you were looking at statistics prior to the uh, series that I told you would work in the favor of Denver, it was assists, which yesterday they only had, uh, let's see, 13, or excuse me, 20, 23 assists yesterday to the Miami Heat's 28. Field goal percentage right on par. 52%. So, again, it'll be interesting to see what happens in game game three of this series. I know we'll all be watching it closely. But I'm still going to stick to my prediction. I still think the Denver Nuggets win three straight. That's tough to do, but I think they will. Only because I said they would earlier, so I got to stick to my I got to stick to my predicament. I was continuing basketball before um, I go all the way to, to Cubs. There's uh, all these rumors coming out. Bleacher Nation put some stuff out there. Uh, Pippin ain't easy. All these little publications 
that the Bulls are going to be are nearing a multi-year extension with Chicago. How you feel about that, Leo? Vooch, three-year deal with the Bulls. You like that? I don't love it. It's... Why not? What's the alternative? I mean, that's the thing. They're just stuck in neutral for, for the next three, yeah. four years. Probably it's going to be more of the same, I guess. Like, yeah. I don't hate Vooch as a player. It's just there's nowhere for them to go. I think they have to do it. People talk about that because if they don't, then yeah, they, who else are you they won't have them? anything right. in return from that trade. But I think, listen, Vooch bought a house here, and unless he's like into real estate and thought he would just buy it and flip it and make a quick $2 million or a million on his house, I think he wants to be here. I think he likes it. I think he likes the bigger market, but he also likes that it's not New York or L.A. where the media is, you know, all over him, he gets to probably go to the stores or whatever. I think he, I think he likes it. Look at me, right, Vooch? <laughs> right, Vooch? You like it, right, Vooch? <laughs> you you want to be here, don't you? So it'll be interesting. I think it'll be a great. I think it's a great move. Listen, I'm gonna tell you exactly why it's a good move. Second in the NBA in double doubles, top five in the league in rebounds per game. If you take Demar out of the equation, you put a little bit of of confidence into Vooch by solely having him be the number two option in the offense. And that's what you need. You need a one, you need a two, and you need some guys that can fill it in. That's the roster construction that the Bulls need right now for where they are at. You want to end up fourth in the league? Put the team on Zach's back. Have Vooch be your secondary scorer. Have Pat Will get a little bit better. Have Kobe White continue to be consistent and try to do something with DeMar DeRozan so that that way the Bulls can get something back in return, whether it's a 3-and-D type player a point guard that could start and or somebody that could protect them. somebody anything for DeMar DeRozan and be calling the Portland Trailblazers what they have that number 3 pick. Ah, I can't wait till the Bulls start either. All right, uh the Cubs will be starting in just a little bit and we will talk to Andy Martinez. What did he think of Miguel Amaya's performance uh in that DH slot after coming back up from AAA? Does he think that he will be the best of the three call-ups? between Matt Mervis, uh, Christopher Morrell, and Miguel Amaya. Does he think he'll be the best of the three? I'll ask him that after this. Don't go anywhere. It's Gabe Ramirez leading you into Cubs baseball right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.